Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Oh, I love that intro music. <laughs> Welcome back, punks and runners, to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis. And with me, as always, is my Choom, who would totally cover my back in a shootout. Toasty. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what type of gun do you run with? Are you a shotgun guy or an assault rifle dude? I think I think I like submachine guns better, actually. Ooh. Yeah, a little like a little bit more compact, I think. So <clears throat> light, power, or tech? Hmm. Smart. Ooh. Okay. All right. Yeah. See, I've I've gone like an all power build, so I'm using a power machine gun right now. Oh, that's fun. I think I've used that. I think I've used that before. Yeah. No, I just I, I'm very short and to the point. So. I think a smart submachine gun does perfectly for that because it's very short to the point as far as your death. <laughs> mm. See, I like the bullet ricochet. So that way, even mm. though I shoot you, I'm also shooting that guy. But yeah, but you also go on tangents more than I do. So that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Okay. Way to call me out. All right. Just go listen to two girls, one ship. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> Oh, I Anyways, can't argue. Jen, it seems like we have uh, a lot to talk about today. We do. We and do. News. Big news that dropped on Twitter, what, just like two days ago now? Two, three, something like that, yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. I think the big thing up front, we will say that they did say that Phantom Liberty is still on schedule to be released in 2023, but there were no further details on that timeline. So it'll be a while. Exciting, though. Yeah. I don't see what like it means. I'm right. uh, like we hear V's voice in the trailer. Mm -hmm. So like, is this an, is this a post game thing? What like what's happening? Like, will we get? answers to other questions with it i don't know i don't know uh, uh. oh i do want to know though but it's like taking the vow to join the military and i'm just like when is this timeline happening i want to know it has to be like post game because like v's not 
significant enough until post-game. Unless... Okay, so what if, like, something weird happens to where Johnny and V are fully melded in... So now you as V are reliving some of Johnny's memories and we're going to go through. And even though you hear your name as V, you're hearing your voice as V. What if you're reliving one of Johnny's memories right now? Because Johnny was in the military. Oh, that's true. Hmm. You might, yeah, you might be onto something there. I forgot about that. I didn't think about that. But we won't know until we until it gets here. It's okay. Twenty twenty three is almost here. It is. This is October. Yeah. Yeah. yeah these years have gone by fast. Yeah. It felt like twenty twenty was like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Time just... is irrelevant. Oh. Yeah. But the other big news is a constellation. <laughs> no, no, we're talking about, I thought this was the cyberpunk podcast no astrology did you sign up for the wrong one what the I gotta go check back through my discord I I could have sworn but is that it's, oh no no because we're two Gemini's here to talk about horoscopes but uh, oh man no oh man <laughs> that would no. actually be terrible for me <laughs> Two of like, us talking horoscopes all day. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, no. You, the person who probably knows all that information, and me, the person doesn't believe in it, and usually does, avoids conversations when they include that. How about we talk about Orion instead? Okay. Because that is the next game in the cyberpunk universe. So they announced the next game. And I'm so excited about it. It is going to be made by a new CD Projekt Red studio in Boston, as well as CD Projekt Red Vancouver, which was formerly Digital Scapes. So why Orion? Because we saw this alongside a whole bunch of other announcements. Mm -hmm. And they all have constellation names, like all of them, every single one of them, even their like brand new IP that they're doing. So... I don't, I mean, we won't know for sure until we get our greedy little hands on it. But uh, just for some background, Orion is a prominent constellation in the sky and is visible throughout the entire world. But it is also one of the most recognizable because its three bright stars are so close together, they form the little Orion's belt. And it is named after Orion, a Greek hunter in Greek mythology. Its brightest stars are the blue-white Rigel and the red Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Beetle Beetlejuice. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to say it three times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. That's all we got so far, unfortunately. That's all we know. But we will, we will definitely be keeping an eye out for that stuff. But any news we get, we will be telling y'all about it right away soon as we can so mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm excited to get more news about this stuff and of course you know witcher stuff too you know so i like the witcher stuff too so oh yeah i mean <laughs> there's a lot of good exciting things there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but now that we have uh, an idea for the future of cyberpunk let's go back a year in time 
2076, where we get to see what it's like to be a down and out kid making his way through Night City. It is that is how math works. Uh, so we were so excited to talk about that first episode of Edge Runner. We forgot to talk about some of the setting and world building and what we know about the history of any of the people and technology we're dealing with. We jumped headfirst in the series because we know, of course, we are quite familiar with what's going on, know the lingo and the names, but for a lot of people, Netflix introduces them to a new fandom, a new world to get lost in. So let's touch on some of the basics first. Like, what is Arasaka? The devil. <laughs> <laughs> now, Arasaka is uh, one of the uh, most prominent corporations uh, in the cyberpunk universe. Um, and of course, in, in the setting of cyberpunk, everything's basically everything's run by corporations, these big mega corporations that kind of run everything because they have so much money and influence. They're like governments. And Arasaka, having started back in, I believe, like post-World War II or close to like Suburo Arasaka, the founder of Arasaka Corporation. Um, yeah, he's like he was like a World War II vet mm -hmm. and he just didn't agree with what his government was doing as far as like the routes that they took. So he kind of took his own path and started this corporation um, and it has grown to be one of the like largest, probably the most prominent, I would argue. Yeah, because I mean, following behind it is like Militech is another major corporation, but Arasaka outclasses them and damn near everything. Yeah, yeah, they're I think they're also like one of the leading um, like cybernetic cyber cyberware creators hmm. it is kind of their focus is cyberware cybernetics well speaking oh. of cyberware and cybernetics what the fuck are those <laughs> uh oh no jen what are they i don't what know are they okay well I'm, i don't know these things no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're body modifications that enhance your senses one way or another and sometimes deaden the senses also because you can get pain inhibitors or, you know, sensation to push your body further. So that way you're not feeling the things. But mm -hmm. like you've got optical implants, you've got, well, you can literally put guns inside of your body so that way they can come out at any time. Synthetic lungs, other, you can replace other organs with cyberware. Like you can, basically there's a cyberware for pretty much everything or any part of your body can be replaced. Can so. I enhance my liver so that way I can have more tequila? I believe I can't I can't remember exactly if a cyber liver is an option in 2077, but okay. Well, there's definitely like I know that the heart is a thing and lungs and like other kind of internal organs, so probably you probably definitely could do that picturing the screen in my in my mind right now so i see brain eyes heart lungs arms and legs yeah i think those are all oh and hands because you can do different things with your hands and then what comes out of your wrists yeah, yeah. but i know there's like the different options and if like other different ripper docs carry certain things 
I just, it's hard to really know those like the cardiac arrest thing. Like whenever you die, it brings you back and you just like explode with electricity, like stuff like that. So I think an enhanced synthetic liver, definitely viable. <laughs> yeah. And then like, why is the show called Edge Runner? What, what, what's an Edge Runner? Uh, so Edge Runner, or uh, as they tell us in the show, uh, another word for it being uh, you know, cyberpunk. People who are like kind of at the or near the bottom of like society who are just trying to like enact a difference, however small it may be. I'm mean, seeing like a constant theme in cyberpunk is that like the corporations or like the man always comes out on top. There's some like instances of like significant things, but like, I mean, we look at cyberpunk 2077. Sure. Johnny and his group of cyberpunks or edge runners, essentially, because that's what they were acting as. Sure. They blew up Arasaka, but at the end of 2077, did it really make a difference? They're still on top and are just getting better. Probably. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say, but it's just kind of this the group of people who like don't have a whole lot, but are trying to make a difference in something, no matter what, like how small that is. They are the ones out there at the bottom trying to make their way up to the top, you know, by whatever means necessary. Yeah. And they're like, I think, kind of the term edge runners because they are kind of all on, always on the edge of one thing or another life death cyber psychosis like whatever means it is they're they're right there on the edge of i guess living a normal happy life and you know what they feel they have to do the dream that they have to like carry on and then we've seen a bunch we talked about i think two gangs so far but we didn't really get into who they are and what they do because we've talked about the tiger claws and the animals so far Yes. So Night City has multiple different gangs that kind of run different areas. You know, we have Tiger Claws, Animals, Valentinos, the Wraiths, the uh, Mocks. There's another group. The Mocks. Uh, just like the a whole bunch boys. of different ones. They kind of. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I was like trying to think of that one. Um, and they all kind of have like their their toes and like certain things or like certain themes about it. Maelstrom. That's another one. The huge one. What about them? Kind of. Uh, and they kind of have their own like gimmicks specifically um, with the tiger calls, the animals, um, the animals don't really believe in cybering out as much as bio enhancing. So instead of like installing like mechanical, like the, you know, cyber arms and optics and things, they will go and get like bio enhanced, like, muscle implants and like steroids and biotically engineered and enhanced like internal organs, basically making them superhumans mm -hmm. of people. And that's kind of their shtick. Uh, and then the tiger claws are a Japanese gang. That's very like bright colored and very, I mean, as far as like gang goes, they're pretty like what you would expect from a stereotypical gang. It's just that like their roots are in believed to be stemmed from certain influences like Arasaka. So Tiger Claws are a little bit based off of like the Yakuza, you would say? Yes. Yeah. 
Yakuza. Yakuza. Uh, and then animals and- are more like the meatheads you see in the gym lifting way too strong weights. <laughs> Big. Yes, but overhold. they can actually do it because yeah. they're jacked. Um, um, and then we get like kind of like the other mixes of them. We're going to see Maelstrom, um, who are the like the people that cyber themselves out so much that they don't even look human anymore half the time. And like they are always on the brink of cyber psychosis with how much cyberware they have in them. Um, but they they that's what they want to do. They love putting more machine in themselves until they're gone. They definitely toe that edge between reality and psychosis for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm happy that we kind of went through a little bit of these basics and got them out of the way. And especially because it's like you and I know this and a lot of people who listen to this podcast will also know about it. But we're hoping it hoping that with the Netflix show that this brings a lot of people who didn't play the game or who touched the game and then gave it up and now we're getting back into it and we're going to bring them the lore that goes along with it. So Mm -hmm. another key part of the show is the episode names. (laughs) Good Lord. Did we miss a lot of good info last week? (laughs) Oops. Yeah. Which I think this does play into like the same like theme with 2077 because i believe every quest like every major quest in 2077 is a song name Mm -hmm. like the episodes i found a spotify playlist of every uh cyberpunk missions and you can play through all the songs in cyberpunk it's amazing pretty cool yeah i like that uh so episode one is titled Let You Down. And from what I can tell, this is an original song made for the show. And these are the lyrics that we hear at the end at the end credits of every episode. You want me to read it out all poetic style? Yeah, you're much better at poetic style than I. <laughs> right. They will finally feel the flames, flames that run down through my veins. I will make this city burn. We're not planning to return. Trying so hard to be free, to make you see what I see. Hold on to your wishes, if you can't hold on to me. Forgive me for letting you down. Forgive me for letting you down again. I guess I'm not strong enough right now. Oh, my love, let me down. What do you think? I think that it's on my, it's saved to my like songs on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the music that they did for both the show and the game. I have quite a few of the, the songs saved. And I mean, this is so like thematic or just kind of like how cyberpunk is. And even with like, uh, I think you like the comparison between like this and the intro, because I believe uh, that one's that one's this fire by Franz Ferdinand for the intro. Uh, and I believe that they both share lyrics talking about burning the city down. Mm-hmm. Essentially. So, um, you know, and it's kind of like the idea of like, you know, trying to enact change and then try to get out. But, you know, 
it's it's all it's all about trying you know that's what, that's what the edge runners do so i mean this is literally like johnny did this mm-hmm. he literally let the city burn when he dropped the nuke on our second tower not burned in the literal sense obviously but well i mean kind of shit was definitely on fire <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> and yeah and try, like that he's like it was all about like you know his rocker boy stuff was all about like being free from the chains of the corporation so i don't know i could definitely see like samurai singing this too oh yes now I want to know if there's a cover of it by the band that is Samurai. Like, they're an actual real-world band. That'd be so cool. I'm not sure. We'll have to hunt for it. Let's see. Yes. So, episode two is a song by Sierra, which I was not expecting. It's called Like a Boy. So, I'm not familiar with Sierra. I don't know. I don't know who that is. Uh, it, like, the name looks familiar. But uh, like, I don't think I've listened to any songs unless you can like name some like pop ones that I have to have heard or something. I mean, definitely mid two thousands pop music is her is her style. So okay. I don't really know if that was you back in the day. Uh I was I was I was a big pop punk boy. Mm, not so much pop punk. This was actually like hip hop pop. Oh, she looks familiar. Mm-hmm. Oh man, these these she's these gorge. pictures look yeah like like is she like pop or like R and B? Yeah, a little bit more R and B. Okay, because this looks like very like yeah. Okay, I think she did some stuff with Missy Elliott. I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I probably have heard some of these. I don't know. I'll have to like go through. Wait, I can't imagine that I've never heard a Sierra song. I just yeah. it just the name just didn't. Ring a bell, I guess. Hmm. Well, this one uh, should. <laughs> episode <yes>. three. <laughs> uh, episode three is Smooth Criminal. I prefer the Alien Ant Farm version, but Classic Michael is also good. Yeah. So, fun fact. Fun fact. Same to start. But I've... I heard this by Alien Ant Farm... Long before I ever heard it by Michael Jackson, uh, which, you know, I'm the young in here. We know this, whatever. Um, so makes sense. But yeah, I didn't even realize until probably like I was 15 or something that this was not Alien Ant Farm song. It was like they didn't do the original. So, so mm, yeah, not with Smooth Criminal, but with another Michael Jackson song and Seether did a cover of it and i was like oh my god this song is amazing and then i wanted to see if anybody else had done like a cover of the seether song and then i found out that it was by michael jackson <laughs> and i was like wait a minute <laughs> i liked the seether version better which which song is that oh you're gonna make me look up a name title so why don't you start jumping into episode four and okay. i'll look up the song <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Uh, so, uh, getting to episode four, Lucky You from his 28 album Kamikaze. I have this song on my playlist. I love this. Uh, I'm a big fan, obviously, but I'm also a big fan of Jordan Lucas, which I believe was the feature on this song as well. Um, so, 
But as for the events of the episode, this episode was mainly like a training montage kind of thing. We see or, or we see David along with the other members of, you know, his his group doing jobs and such kind of getting in that like practice on like how to do, you know, do these jobs uh, and also like a training montage of like David, like running more stuff like that to like kind of up his skills. He does end up getting a, his second upgrade, a pair of like synthetic lungs um, so that he can, now it's not unlimited stamina, but it's like basically he's, he can, we see him start like running much faster and much longer once he gets them. And also kind of dealing with his like PTSD uh, as for, you know, using a gun because of the situation we saw episode one with his like the shootout with um, his mom. He's still learning to deal with, you know, getting comfortable using guns. And for the most part, the majority of the episode, we don't. He's not. Did you find it? Yeah, I did. It's uh, they don't (laughs) they don't care about us. I probably have heard that. I listened to a lot of Seether too, so Yeah. No, it's good. I probably heard that one. The um, lyrics are like surprisingly hard hitting, and so that's why I had no clue it was a Michael Jackson song. Okay. Like he talks about being a victim of police brutality in it, and I'm like, damn. I mean, yeah. That does make that does make sense though. Yeah. Right. So David's PTSD, I think that's where you left off at. Uh, and that's why yes. he doesn't want to train with uh, Maine and Becca. And it totally makes sense because we see him holding one of Becca's guns and then like completely freezing. And he doesn't mm-hmm. want to take the gun from Maine. Like Maine gives him a pistol and is like, there are three things you need when you walk out the door. Uh, your wallet, your cock, your sock and your iron. Right. That's four things. I know, but he, Maine says three and then lists four things. Oh. <laughs> I didn't catch that detail, but all right. <laughs> your wallet, your cock, your sock, and your iron. His sock. What the fuck? I mean, make sure that you're wearing good socks and shoes because you never know if you're going to need to run. I guess so. I guess so. And this is cyberpunk, so I guess technically you could leave your cock at home on accident if you... you t- we call those Mr. Studs, Genesis. Okay. But, you know, those come with those own wrists, too. Like, you know, you gotta be careful with those. <laughs> it's that one quest. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I found out, apparently... Apparently you can fail that quest? <gasps> oh, I didn't know don't... that. Apparently if you take two... It explodes and you fail. Oh no. <laughs> I didn't know that. I was enlightened. Oh that's amazing. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a note here about uh his first gun, uh what looks like a Lexington. It was like kind of purple, very scratched up. Like mm-hmm. very like old and used and uh but the the grip and the under barrel have that same like lexington specific style to them yeah the lexington it feels almost like 
it's a two-handed pistol of the way that it looked to me because it's like the one hand the the grip obviously has the finger grooves and grips but then the under barrel also has very similar finger grooves and almost a grip like appearance as if it's a little baby gun so you need two hands to hold it so that way you can steady your aim it looks like a nerf gun oh yeah it kind of looks like it doesn't look like an actual gun it looks like it's like made of styrofoam or something or like a baby's first gun. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, that makes sense. Makes sense. And as far as other details that you noticed, Jen, throughout the episode. Uh, okay. So the camera hacking was really cool. Yes. Because that's, uh, I loved seeing the same little icons that you see in game. You hack the network and then you can bounce around camera to camera. And we see that happening in the show. Uh, I loved seeing that. I, uh, yeah, no, I definitely, I made note of that. I saw that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And we know that we see that with between like the data mining screen to that. Like, obviously, like the game elements are so prominent. And it is really cool to like see those, the similarities that they're going with. Mm-hmm. So this episode, it was a necessary part of the series, but it felt really slow for a majority of it. It was like, cool gigs, yo. But really? It wasn't Uh, until we see some dude standing on top of a storage container and he's peeing. He is standing and peeing into a trash can below. And not just mm -hmm. like, like Austin Powers level of peeing. Like it just keeps going and going and it frustrates. Because he wasn't actually peeing. So that, that part, the part that was sticking out of his pants was attached to his arm because whenever he pulls it up, which, you know, by the way, this dude goes from peeing to straight murking Pilar. <laughs> but whenever he raises the hand up, it still has that same, like the dick like appendage on the hand. Whenever he raises up to shoot Pilar in the face. Oh. So he was like, he had like some sort of like hose, like in his arm. And he was just like funneling wa- like, or urine through it or whatever the heck it was or like it was the cover it was a cover over maybe like a beer can or something i don't really know I but it was like i saw that. it at the end of it for like a moment is okay so pilar says holy shit dude you chromed out your dick that's insane so it wasn't actually a chromed out penis it was more of that was the the barrel to a gun yeah i think he was like hiding it with like a Hiding it with foreskin, I guess. Mm. I I just saw it for like a second, yeah. But I mean, it wouldn't be out of question for like someone to chrome out their dick. They obviously have the Mister Stud for that. But yeah, I th- I don't think he was like. I think he was just like in one of those like trance moments of cyberpsychosis where he just like didn't know what he was doing. So, um. But yeah, we see that. Pilar just get killed suddenly, very abruptly. Um, it sends Becca I, into a rage. Yeah, it was her brother, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I I don't like that they're making me like Becca more, Jen. I don't like it. I, I know. I hate it. I actually hate it. I actually am kind of falling for her. Like, I'm I'm I might be Team Becca. 
I haven't. Fully... I could never be Team Becca. I could never be Team Becca, Team Lucy all the way. Okay. I mean, I understand it. I get it. But from a personality standpoint, and especially what we see later on, I, I might be Team Becca. But we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I, it's obvious to say like that's that's kind of like a thing that's like been like as far as the personalities we look for. In like those certain like I definitely very much like I mean my my favorite one in twenty seventy seven is Judy, who's definitely like she has her moments, but she's very far from that like personality type. Yeah. So, um, and I mean I don't know who you. I think you're still trying to figure that out. I think you're still figuring out who your favorite one is. Um, no, I'm leaning more towards Carrie. Like Dang. I love Pan Am. And I could see like that being like the re- the long term relationship, but there's no way I could pass up Carrie. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole nother subject. Uh, do we want to talk about? I think we missed one little part about going to afterlife. So that was the start of the episode. We see um, Maine and Dorio in the afterlife. And then we get to see them go back to it quite a few times, actually. Um, like, they they hang out at the afterlife quite a bit during this episode. Like anytime they finish up a job, they kind of head over there. Um, and even including getting into some conflicts at the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Becca, like, almost gets, like, shot by, like, four different dudes or something. Um, and David Sandeva uh, stands her out of it. Uh, to which... Rogue, right? Is there like on a stool? She's just chuckling. I missed that the first time I watched. I will. I I did not realize. Oh, I like watched it today, and I was like, "What the? Oh, okay." So I had Rogue in my notes about people that I saw, but then did you also see the second cameo in Afterlife? There are two people who are in Afterlife that are also in the game. Cause who's is it Claire? Uh huh. Claire's their bartender. It's hard to tell. Cause I remember seeing and like it was similar, but I think like the way they designed it was like it didn't quite look exactly the same. I don't think unless there was a part that I like looked away and saw like a close up. But it seemed like it was kind of like more like silhouetted behind the bar, mm. so I wasn't sure. No, I mean, uh, the face shape is the same, the hairstyle is the same, uh, and even, like, she turns and gives you a smile, and I was like, that's totally Claire. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, it's been, it's a year difference between 2077s. Yeah. Like, her working there is, yeah, it makes sense. But back to the topic of, uh, of Becca, by the way, just to just to run back there right there, um, we actually got someone uh, who informed us that her dick tattoo that's on her leg <laughs> is actually a reference to Philip K. Dick, the author of Blade Runner. Yeah. I've never read it or like seen the movie. So I did Blade Runner is not a prominent thing in my mind. So I didn't pick up on that. But now that like they say it, it does kind of look like it says like K. Dick or mm-hmm. possibly PK Dick. Yeah. On her, on her leg. So, Yeah. It's just hard to tell. The first part of it, the the holes in between the letters aren't really there, mm-hmm. at least as far as the animation was. So all I can ever just see is the dick part. 
Right. So it's a band around her leg. And then like, I actually stopped and looked at it. Like I did a freeze frame on my Netflix. And there are you can see kind of the shape of a P. And then it's like a, like a straight line band around it. And then there's a K symbol that cuts off. And then that K leaves an open hole for the dick. Uh, That sounded really bad. (laughs) So, yes, the dick part is prominent. I mean, <laughs> I'm not surprised that you would somehow make this slip up when talking. Mm. <laughs> because it's you, Jen. It's you. <laughs> Let's go to a mid-break. <laughs> this is another Thursday for you. Oh, do we have anything else that we want to talk about about episode four? Um, well, I would just like to um, kind of touch on like a, more of the places that we see. So, of course, you see the afterlife. Been there before. Uh, we get to see the scav apartment. Um, it probably isn't the same apartment, same design as far as like the, the first mission in 2077. The same like kind of apartment where they're fighting the scavs. The gun shop where... Becca's teaching him how to shoot is the same as the one in V's mega building. Mm. Um, I assume that that's probably a prominent feature in all of the mega buildings. Cause I imagine the design is probably pretty similar. So it's probably just one of them, but you know, the same kind of thing there, the maelstrom hideout from the game during like, whenever you go get the, the when you get the flathead um, from maelstrom, same hideout, like set up even the couches, and I don't know if you noticed this. I randomly noticed this third titty. Yep. Oh, I, t- I totally I noticed got... the third titty. Are you I was kidding like, me? I was like, wait a minute. She had a third titty. <laughs> she just had a center titty. <laughs> yep. And that is from a uh, reference to Total Recall, the Total Recall movie, because there was a woman who had a surgical implanted third titty. So I will always oh. notice it. I'm a boob girl. What can I say? It's the first thing I see. It's, that's fair. That's fair. And... The other things, I think, is, well, a big part of the episode is the end. Mm. Little, yeah, Jin, little... you're the romance girl here. Like, what? <laughs> I am the romance girl. Yes, I know. So David and Lucy are starting to fall for each other. I think Lucy definitely wanted to push him away in the beginning, but he literally saves her life. Uh, because when the psycho starts his freak out, David, and, David freezes. And doesn't know what to do until he notices that Lucy is about to die. Because she's trying to hack the psycho. And that doesn't always work because... She overheats him. Mm. I just thought that was cool. <laughs> oh yeah, because he lights on fire. He sets on fire, yeah. She overheats him. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Another in-game mechanic. And also in mm. the role-playing game. Mm. So, um, But, yeah. But, like, you kind of see that progression, I think, throughout the episode. Because... Like, obviously, she's very aloof, giving, like, either non-answers, like, she's answering with, like, vague answers, or just, like, deflecting uh, in general when it came to, like, whenever he would ask her, like, he was asking her about herself, and she wasn't really, like, wanting to, like, reveal herself, which I think is something that'll probably, like, kind of, we get to see, like, her thoughts on this kind of towards the end of the episode. But, like, as he's, like, proving himself and they're doing more jobs, 
being more accomplished, you definitely like the scenes switch from David in the background watching them celebrate to then Lucy in the background watching David celebrate from his success. And she's definitely starting to take more notice of him. I like that. It's like there's I can't remember specifically the Maelstrom thing, whatever they're done finishing the Maelstrom. David's like getting uh like you know, like a good job or whatever, and her eyes like she's there next to him. Her eyes are on him. She's like looking to the side at him. And then there's a part in the afterlife. He's celebrating, having drinks with the gang, and she's on the couch in the back watching him. Mm. So, and then we kind of like we get to the end of the episode with you know they he saves her, yeah, <laughs> and they smooch, they smooch. Which this was a. F- I'm a, I'm also a sap. This was a this was a like such a fucking cute romantic scene here. <laughs> like like her, it was it was weird. Like her looking away, like looking directly at her, trying to like tell her, and like still figure her out. And then like he's just kind of like breaking through, breaking through. And then like he he tells her, you know, I'll fly you to the moon myself if I have to. And she just like kisses him, and then it, you know, pans out, see the moon in the background, and then switches to them being on the moon, like if they were in the brain dance with the earth in the background. I was like, oh man, that's so fucking good. That's so good. One way or another, I will get you to the moon. Oh, David. Man. Yeah. Yeah, and she she says something I think in this part. I don't think is an entirely true. I don't think he's. I think maybe something that he will get to in general. But she basically says that like he's always the guy that's going to run into the fight to save someone. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of guy he is. I think eventually, yes. I think right now, I think it was specifically because of her. I think if it had been anyone else, because it was, there was a situation where it was Becca was in danger. Maine was in danger. Like they were in the fight. He did not jump in to save them, but then he saw Lucy in danger and he immediately jumps into act. Yeah. Uh, I don't think like, I think she's wrong about that. Like, I think, I think, yes, he will be like that eventually. But I think right now, if it had been anyone else, I don't think he could have done it. I don't think he would have pulled the trigger. No, he because with Becca, he saves Becca by just picking her up and running her away earlier in the episode. But with Lucy, he's he pulled the trigger. He made his first kill shot for her. And we see the flash of like his PTSD, mm-hmm. like as he's doing it, but he still does. Very powerful. Yeah, I think it's time for a mid break now. I think so, too. <laughs> Welcome to our little mid-break where we talk about everything related to the podcast and not the lore of cyberpunk. Uh, So we do have a new patron that just signed up that I was super happy to see. Slated7, thank you so much for joining us on patreon.com slash cyberpunklorecast. Tosi and I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
We don't have any new reviews to read out this week. Uh, hopefully we start to see those pick back up uh, because we are back and we are full time and in full swing. Weekly live streams, weekly recordings. Uh, you can catch us live on twitch.tv slash cyberpunk lorecast. Uh, every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. So yeah, that's 6-9 for those of you keeping track at home. And Toasty is groaning at me, and if you would like to groan at me too for that comment, go ahead and join us on the Discord. Uh, you can find that at robotsradio.net, and also in the show description. I'm upset that you did the 6-9, but I'm immediately not upset because that segue for the Discord was really good. <laughs> I'm proud of you for that. <laughs> That was that was a good segue. That was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sometimes I just get on a roll and and the words flow and I don't know what is about to come out of my mouth next. Usually something dirty. Yeah. That yeah. I can't argue. <laughs> yeah. And Anyways. we could talk about more <laughs> dirty things in episode number 5. What's that face? I know of a couple dirty things that happen. Uh, but first... I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, this episode is titled after the Tupac song, All Eyes on Me, from the 1996 album, All Eyes on Me. Go figure. The title album. The title song of the hey, album. Jin, how does it make you feel if I told you that I wasn't alive yet when this album came out? Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So th that's fine. That's fine. Even though you and I are 11 years apart, I think that we get along great. And our 11 year difference, the fact that I was 10 years old in 96, you know, I think we're fine. Damn. No, 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 no judgment. <laughs> I just. All right. I don't act my age in like any situation. I don't feel. I don't either. Some days I do. Anyways. <laughs> that was a tangent and a half. Yep. <laughs> the episode. The episode. Uh, so it opens up with them dealing with the fact that Pilar is dead. And we get a big insight into David's mindset here um, because Becca says that Pilar's golden hands, the new, the technology, the first little minor job that David gets is go pick up a package, bring it to Becca's house. Duh. Uh, there you were, the shiny new golden tech hands. Mm -hmm. But David doesn't want them. Because he feels that they are too techy for him and is looking to go more of a body route like Maine. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's more just like general. Um, and I think we do see this quite a bit with like how the group is set up with just like the prevalence of solos. Like we got Kiwi and Lucy as an outrunner. Um, we apparently had Pilar, who was a techie, and then main 
uh, Becca, I think Dorio too. Like they haven't shown us anything for Dorio other than her absolutely like wrecking people too. So like, I think they're all solos. Mm-hmm. And then David's kind of going the same route of being a solo. Yeah. So. But there are solos who are like snipers. There are solos who are like, there are different kinds. And I can see that, uh, especially Maine is the, I can, can punch your lights out and that's how I'll kill you. Whereas somebody who is fine tuned weaponry isn't necessarily going to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm sure you were pretty excited during this episode, considering, um, you know, there was a little bit of prevalence of nudity. The massive amounts of nudity. Like, I wrote down in my notes, in all caps, Kiwi, why must you do this to me? She's naked for, like, the entire episode. (laughs) She's just, like, chilling, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely fits the cyberpunk, like, like who who gives a fuck? Like, Who cares? Right? I mean... You see sexuality everywhere in Cyberpunk, so, like, what does it matter, you know? Well, yeah. yeah I was definitely surprised. I was surprised the first a little bit. three minutes of the first episode, we get thrown into a porn BD. Bro. So, True. I mean, sex is all over the place, but Kiwi is gorgeous and on full display a lot. I do think I like uh, just kind of seeing that. Um, and we saw it in the last episode, too. Uh, just kind of like the relationship between Maine and David, I thought was like kind of like a very interesting, like teasing relationship. Mm-hmm. So like he's very like Maine's very much like his mentor specifically. Like he's learning. David's learning for everyone else. But I think he looks up to Maine the most. I mean, we see that like, he wants to kind of go down the same route for himself. So like that makes sense. But, you know, it's it's cool to like see. It's kind of like a older brother, little brother relationship because Maine uh is teasing him constantly and is also very annoyed when David bothers him with bullshit. <laughs> you need to get laid. Not yeah, but time, it is kid. fun to see like how the like that relationship of like him like constantly teasing him and whatnot. So I thought I thought that was I thought that was cute. Yeah. <clears throat> as far as like I think the rest of like the, the kind of general plot line for this episode of like them kind of setting up the job to track down Jimmy Kurosaki because that is their into Tanaka, who is the person they're kind of like going after right now. It's not like there wasn't like too much happening. It's just kind of until like a bit like again, like really late in the episode, them, you know, talking about the job, setting up the job, executing the job, the job going off the rails and then having to salvage after that and then using that to, you know, get to Tanaka regardless. But yeah, so they go, they try to get Shimon Kurosaki, um, like kidnap him to get there in. Um, he has like back of the neck cyberware, like a camera yeah. so he can see Maine trying to sneak up on him and then EMPs the garage, which was cool. Oh, that was pretty cool. It's very interesting. It's like not something we see a whole lot of. And then he kidnaps David and throws him into horrifying brain dances, like awful brain dances. But they, you know, they Dorio and Lucy show up 
get David back. They pin down Kurosaki and then use him to get Sitsunaka. But I think like the main points of this episode are one, David talking to Kurosaki. Uh, I would go back a step further and say that this idea of getting Kurosaki involved was David's idea, showing that he has the initiative to think of the, like, here's a way that we can get to Tanaka because I have this mm-hmm. connection. Um, so showing that, that David can help out with contribute. Uh, contribute yeah. That is, yeah. He is, he does is kind of like the idea guy, but it's because he has this, like, unique perspective on something that is I guess it sounds like Kurosaki's is like obviously very popular but more like underground like he says like a cult following so like you know obviously he has like his following but he's not like a big name known by everyone but obviously he makes a lot of a lot of money on the dude's eating lunch at Embers <laughs> which is like the most luxurious bar in all of Night City, right in the middle of like the corporate zone, which we don't go inside, but we see the garage, which is the same place that you go to for the Street Kid intro in 2077. Mm. You get a task to go steal a car, and then it goes off the rails. So, Amber's Garage is a cursed place, and if you have a job that requires you to go there, just deny it. It's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. I will not take this podcast off the rails again, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. That scares me. But I just really want to talk about this conversation that they have. I think it's like. And I need you to tell me something because I don't know. So I haven't gotten to it yet. But just kind of the talk about like. uh, Between Kurosaki and David of like what it is to be an edge runner and mm. like where the path that it's going to lead you. I mean, cause he has the entire course. Like he has his 32 brand dances of his edge runner series, mm-hmm. which are specifically XBDs that end with the flat line yeah. of who's recording the person that's recording it. So, so and I, the one that they're talking about specifically is Brain Dance number 32. And that is the most recent one that has been put out there. And that was the same one that we see. Both that it's the David Brain Dance that we see at the beginning of the series. It's the one with the Sandevistan in it. It's the one So I don't think it is. It is because the Because he's hold he's holding brain when he's talking about norris and the sandevistan it shows the like the smaller package chip in his hand and it says 31 i saw that that's it that threw me off so hard because i was like i was like wait because i assumed it was 32 i thought it was 32 but it said like it had numbers on the bottom said 31 and i was like wait so what is brain dance 32 Oh, I don't know then. I thought 32 was the Norris dance. I can go back and check, but like I, whenever he was talking about it specifically, I saw 31. And so this led me to this question. Is 32 just foreshadowing? Mm. Oh, God, I. 
Because the thing is, is if you think about it, if you think about he Kurosaki had David unconscious and was like submitting him to brain dances and stuff. Did he install a brain dance recorder in David while David was out? He doesn't even have to because uh, he specifically states all military grade cyberware comes with the comes with this with the scroller. That's why you have the the Norris BD is because he had the Sandevistan and it automatically records stuff. So is Kurosaki preemptively making number 32 and he's chosen David? Oh, did he make the did he make a brain dance of what David was experiencing while he was forced to watch the other brain dances? I I don't know. I just like that because I. During my first watch through, I did not notice that the Norris one said 31. I, I just thought it was the, I thought that was the one they were talking about. And then I saw it. And I was like, no, that says 31 on it. Well, even though I just rewatched this episode for the third time today, I guess I'm going to take another fourth watch through and see if I can spot any of the little things like that. Because I was like, the big thing that bothered me was that number 32 is either higher on the shelf or the box is bigger or there's something about it that it sticks out it's, visibly it's above. pulled out it's like it's like when david went to go put it back on the shelf he didn't push it back all the way well that's not, the perspective i got on it not back it's up so he puts it back on the shelf and pushes it all the way in but it still sticks up higher i don't know oh okay it was hard to tell like it's hard to tell the perspective that they're going on i just it looked like he didn't like do it all the way back like into the shelf it seemed like it was just kind of like like pulled forward slightly Mm. like kind of like that if 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 it's what i'm thinking it is based off of what i just said just another means of foreshadowing yeah like showing us like 32 sitting more in the foreground yeah but to answer your question of what brain dance is in the game the only edge runner series brain dance that i have found is the norris dance and then okay. david's jacket and then i get messages from a character that we have not been introduced to yet in well that you and i know but yeah. we have not talked about in the series yet which so. uh we'll just throw ourselves under the bus i don't care jen and i have finished the series oh yeah because, like I said last week, sometimes you get to certain episodes by, and you can't then stop. You are too hooked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I got to episode six, which we will talk about next week instead of this week. But I saw that one, and I, I, was, I just finished it. I just finished the series. Yep. Uh, same. I watched four and five, and then I was like, all right, one more episode tonight, and then I'll start, because uh, I had written notes on four, I had written notes out on five, I turned my next page in my little, I have a an actual legal pad that I'm working off of, and then I was like, all right, episode six, here's the name, here's where it starts, and then I wrote down absolutely nothing for episode six, because I was so focused so i think next week is going to be an amazing episode for us 
because yeah. we have so much to talk about. Yeah. I think the last the last little point is that like Kurosaki goes down while they're basically like detaining Tanaka. Takes like one of these like weird needle things to his throat and he goes out with just this ominous laugh as he looks at David. His eyes dart over directly to stare at David like I'm going to find you and look at you while I am dying. And, and it's it just freaked me the fuck out. Same, same. It was like, oh God, like he was choking on his blood. And then he just like got to the point where he's just like, this is this is how I'm going out. And it was just it was terrifying. So, yeah. And that is about the main thing for there. Yeah. Oh, man. And I just, I guess I have a question because this is like kind of, I, I did, I, some of the things I was listening to, cause you know, going through on like, I think <laughs> for me, these are like my fifth watch throughs <laughs> on these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I, I'm very, I'm, I watched it by myself. Uh, I rewatched it. I have watched plenty of like people reacting to these episodes because I like getting other people's perspectives because sometimes they notice things that you don't. And I'm watching it again through with Mrs. Toasty or I have watched it with Mrs. Toasty. And so and then, of course, today I was watching it again to like really like get the fine details uh, that I could scrape together. But I think with that talk, going back to that talk, the way David is talking like about how like in with Kurosaki talking as well, just how what the tech has done to so many other people. Obviously he's got 31 episodes of what people going off the edge of cyberpsychosis, or at least that's what I assume. They don't tell us all of that, but I assume that every one of those series ends with cyberpsychosis mm-hmm. and death and David talking about like, you know, he feels like the San Devastan is just like a part of him that was missing and that it just fits and suits him and like belongs on him. And like, that sounds like the start of what I would consider probably early symptoms of cyberpsychosis. Feeling more comfortable, not in your skin, but having modified your skin to be with, with the tech and feeling more comfortable that way because then it leads you to want more. Mm. So is my question for you, Jen is, is cyberpsychosis an inevitability for everyone? I would say my gut instinct is no. That I don't think psychosis is inevitable for everyone. And especially because some cyberware isn't an upgrade because you want to be more badass. Sometimes cyber upgrades are because you lost an arm in a industry accident. And so therefore you get a cybernetic arm replacement. Or, you know, you want to get rid of your glasses, so you get a surgery to replace your eyeballs. So there are very minor, very practical, very safe cyber usage. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't think that everything would necessarily lead to psychosis, but something that is so modifying as to give you superhuman speed, that's not within the realm of normal human possibility. And we see that I do. Uh, this is a note specifically from the tabletop is that if like throughout the story or whatever of like the campaign you were doing, losing limbs or something like that, like say if you lost an arm during the game because you know someone cut it off or something, like you are you are given the option to replace like if you get a cyber arm to replace your missing limb, it specifically says in the rules that you do not have to incur humanity loss because of it. But the things that you choose to change that you don't have to do take the humanity loss. And some things are smaller than others, like a cyber eye is like three humanity loss. Your humanity is based on like your empathy times 10. Yeah. So, you know, if you have an empathy of six, you use 60 minus three, not a lot, you know, not a big deal. But some other things like, like linear frames and stuff have huge amounts. Cyber arms have significantly. But like I said, you know, that's if you choose to change out your arm with a cyber arm or like a Sandevistan, or Karinzikov, I think they're sitting at like humanity loss of like seven. Mm. Stuff like that stacks. Yeah. Real quick. Three, like you can get three things at three humanity loss and you still haven't even dropped the level of right. empathy yet. But you get one Sandevistan and you're already towing the line of a significant chunk. And then so. you cyber enhance your lungs. And then what's next? I mean, David said it himself. He's feels more comfortable having these things. So he's going to get more. It's, it's just a guarantee at this point. Yeah. Oh, David. Well, now I'm second th- second guessing on whether or not I want a cybernetic liver. I might just keep my original where it's at. I don't want humanity loss. (laughs) I mean, but for you, tequila is part of your humanity. At least I've heard the stories. I know (laughs) how important tequila is to you. I know it sounds weird. Uh, You know, I'm not going to explain the concept because this is just a, you know, if you know, you know. Um, But I know just how important tequila is to you and who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. So that would be less of a problem. Oh, love, laugh, tequila. I think it's time that we head out. Yeah. So we have talked a little bit about where to find us. I am on the Robots Radio Discord. I am Genesis, spelled J-E-N-N-A-S-I-S. I am one half of the Two Girls, One Ship podcast, where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. So come and find me on either that channel or in the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel. And I definitely want to give a huge major shout out to the creator of the music that we use for the intro. An amazing, amazing human miracle of sound. Uh, Check out his YouTube playlist for all your favorite video games. It's absolutely amazing. He's got songs about uh, The Witcher, Cyberpunk, Skyrim, 
actually, I think a lot of the Elder Scrolls games and so many other ones. Miracle Sound. Toasty, where uh, can the people find you? Yeah, I am Toasty. I am the co-host on the Witcher lore cast. Uh, I also participate in the uh, Cyberpunk Red actual play podcast, uh, Cyberpunked, Cyberpunk apostrophe D, with the Bumbling Four and Almighty Crit Gang. And for, for just a note on Jin, those romances include the Cyberpunk ones. Twenty-seven, they're there. They've done them. They've done them. So you know, if you wanna, you wanna listen to their thoughts uh, on the emotional and sexual details of uh, all the cyberpunk. You should go listen to those episodes. They're really good. All right, everyone. Have a great night and stay safe in Night City. Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.